everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. So that great gift of God is that he does two things. He exposes two things, Brother Herbs. He exposes the lies of the world and at the same time exposes our own heart. Now that's why some people don't want to believe the lies about the world. Why? Because it tells on their heart as well. I don't want to give up. I don't want to admit that you're right on this uh, thing that you're calling sin. Why? Because I don't want to give it up. And that's what Jesus is saying. So I'll again quote Budaszewski. He says, evil must rationalize, and that's its weakness. But evil can rationalize, and that's its, its strength. Now what does he mean by that? Even, evil must rationalize, and that's its weakness, because you really do have the knowledge of sin. But it can rationalize. Evil can rationalize, and that's its strength. That's its temptation. Why? Because it doesn't make intellectual sense, but it pulls on our heart because we desire... Listen, the enemy knows how to run at you. It's through your flesh. You have to admit you're blind. You have to admit you need help. And when you, get, when you admit your need, then you can be saved. And that's why it's first things first. I'll read one more quote. I have to hurry tonight. My wife's not here. If some of you could cough occasionally, that will help me finish. Thank you. This is what he says. He said, our common moral knowledge is as real as arithmetic and probably just as plain. We know right from wrong. We really do. He says, paradoxically, uh, maddeningly, he says, we appeal to it even to justify wrongdoing. And then he has this wonderful little statement. Rationalization is the homage paid by sin to guilty knowledge. If you were okay, you wouldn't have to justify. Now, now what does that mean? It's like this uh, pr uh, principal, forgive me, of this of a public school who has a PhD said uh, something like this. Intolerance must not be tolerated. Yeah, I know, Sister Dibble, you're already laughing. Because she has a PhD. She's an educated lady. She, it's not a lack of capacity. What do, you call, um, what do you call it when you say at the end of the day, the act of not tolerating intolerance? What do you call that? Intolerance. Okay, so how can rational thinking people not face their own thoughts? You ready? Because she's saying, don't deal, don't come against my sin. Mostly intolerance is this. I don't want to tolerate any type of person telling me I'm wrong in my lifestyle. Don't criticize my culture, my upbringing. Don't criticize uh, anything to do with the concrete aspects of my living. Instead, we champion sin and we leave people blind and broken and with the consequences of sin. That's why judgment has to come because Jesus loves me too much to, to not just come on and pat me on the head and leave me in my sin. Brother Johnny wants to bring me out of my sin so that I can find the blessing that he really wants to give my life. And I'll, I'll try to hurry tonight. So uh, here's what you have to figure out, especially as young adults. You have to figure out what are the powers behind the issues, behind that encouragement, Brother Wilkins, of uh, people uh, being encouraged to shield themselves, to hide themselves from the light of the glory of Christ. 
It's uh, maybe uh, uh, George Orwell probably said it be best. He said, we have sunk now to a depth that which restatement of the obvious is the first duty of intelligent men. <laughs> what is he saying? He's saying some things, sister sellers, are so common sense that they're uncommon. There's a great book written in our culture called Uncommon Common Sense. It's like listening to Dave Ramsey. You know, you should just put like whatever sin, take out finances and put whatever stupid sin somebody's trying to embrace. You know, okay, I'll be here, hallelujah. All right, and again, what we're saying is, uh, I'll give you one more quote and then I'll, I'll hasten to a close tonight. Budashevsky has this great little quote in um, his book, What We Can't Not Know. He says, if anthropological data suggests something short of the ideal, now anthropological data, he means, let's just say, uh, Sister Savannah, you're there, you studied it, UND, and you have a lot of data, right, about uh, sociological issues, right, and how to analyze it. He says, if anthropological data suggests something short of the ideal, that is not because nothing is universal. He says, it's because two universals are in conflict, and he names this beautiful little thing. He says, universal moral knowledge and the universal desire to evade it. Now, their names, why all of these brilliant people, can I be really plain tonight? Forgive me for this. This is Kilman. It's rhetoric. Uh, this is why really brilliant people offer, I want to say stupid, ignorant. Uh, you're like, how can you be a, an educated person and argue for the laws of California to abort a baby almost uh, a month after it's born? How can you, okay, now that, how many of you knew that? was being argued right now in the state of California. Great, some of you do. How many of you, it's okay, how many of you go, I just didn't know that. How can, how can uh, you, wow, it is what it is. So here's the problem. We know the objective standard of morality. Why? Because every one of us are created in the image of God and that conscience that interacts with God's creation has a witness to us. In Romans 2, 14 through 16, you read, on, read it on your own. Well, maybe we can hurry. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature, brother Herbs, the things contained in the law, they having not the law are law to themselves. Why? Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Even the Gentiles, brother, uh, uh, without, without the revelation of God even, uh, at the end of the day, have the law of God written on their hearts, brother Root. What does that mean? It means everyone knows uh, that knowledge, but the common plight of humanity regarding sin, rightness, and judgment is what God come to confront. Now why? Uh, because here's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to read it again in John 3, 19. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Brother John, it's not that Jesus has come. It's because people want to reject Jesus because he's a Lord. So the hostility to the gospel that people feel is not, now catch this good young adult, it's not primarily intellectual. It's moral. It's not enough to confront the mind. You also got to confront the heart. That's why you can't preach in your flesh or teach in your flesh or sing in your flesh. You need the Spirit of God to come. Why? Because he says he's going to convince them that they need him. And that first work of repentance, that's what Jesus came to do. That first work, first things first, is always repentance. 
Right? So why does he name the, the resistance again? Because you've got to confront that issue of humanity because the gospel threatens our cherished autonomy. Right? And I'll, I'll hasten to a close tonight. Budaszewski says, it's hard enough to face the moral law, even with the revelation that divine justice and divine mercy are conjoined. Yes, brother uh, uh, Benson, he confronts me, but he loves me. He confronts me to save me. He says, it's hard enough to face that when you understand that revelation. He's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. He says, but here's the problem. It offends our pride to be forgiven, and it terrifies our pride to surrender control. Now, there's the issue. So, we do all sorts of funny things as human beings. We try to quell, to suppress, to run away from that knowledge that we have. How do we do that, Brother Kimball? With pleasure? I'll just play enough video games so that my conscience is not confronted. I'll, I'll go to enough parties. I'll drink enough or smoke enough or dope enough. or You know, we're being real in here, right? Or, you know, maybe not that. I'll just get into mental diversions. I'll go build great projects and uh, I will give into selfish ambitions and I'll go pursue a career. I'll become, uh, I'll build a great income or a great portfolio or I'll become the next greatest thing in terms of intellect. And I'll, and again, all of that is an attempt to quell that knowledge on the inside of us. I'll give you one quote by uh, an author named Milaz. I just found him, Brother Herbs. Maybe we can talk later. He says, a religion of a crucified God is a religion that acknowledges cosmic pain. Now, what does he mean by that? You have to admit that the way this world exists and the way that we're in it without the Lord is filled with brokenness and emptiness. So what does God do? The God of comfort, the God of mercy, the God of love, make sure first things are first. That your basic problem in life is to see your need to repent. So what does he do? When he has come, Jesus says, the comforter, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Brother Cole, if you can come help me. So by his spirit, God comes in a service like this. How many have ever been reading the Bible and you're at home and the Lord just does that beautiful thing. He just confronts you. I don't even want to know if I want to admit this tonight, Lord. I've seen myself in the mirror of the word so plainly. And see, that's the beauty. It's not that it's not condemnation. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to first thing. And so his spirit comes not only to inform, not to put, uh, <laughs> Brother Sam, in little, neat little uh, systematic categories, this is guilty, you know. No, but to convince us in our heart as well as our mind of the fact of sin, of the fault of sin, and then of the folly of sin. That's why the prophet Isaiah is speaking of Jesus and he's testifying, of course, John the Baptist first. You know, if you don't have John the Baptist, Brother Hussey, you don't get Jesus. You need the forerunner so that Jesus can come. So Isaiah chapter 40, the, the prophet writes by the Spirit of the Lord, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Everybody say comfort. 
real comfort, not the comfort of telling people they're okay in the lies of sin. The lies of sin will lead you down paths that will not satisfy you. They will not give you what they promise. It will destroy your purity. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your family. And you're going to be at the end of a whole lot of promises realizing God was right. The lies of this world wasn't right. That's why I don't give myself to uh, images of beauty that are of this world. That's why I don't give myself to the lies of success of this world. Why? Because when I get down to the end of that road, it's a whole bunch of brokenness like out in the culture. So what does God do? He brings comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Speak ye comfortably to Israel and cry unto her. Why would you cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned? For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Brother Herbs, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And that's the ministry of John the Baptist being called. Of course, it had a context with Isaiah, but that great image is lifted up and said of John the Baptist. Now, what does it mean to make make uh, straight in the desert a highway for our God? That was like an ancient Near Eastern uh, road crew where they would say every high place will be taken down. Every low place, sister sellers, will be exalted. Every crooked place will be made straight. Why? Because when the king is being brought into the land and he, they're carrying the king on that palaquin, you ready? he's not going to be much of a king up there going like this, trying to ride a rocking thing going down the White River Rafford like almost killed Brother Gallion and Sister Gallion on the trip we just took with our seniors. It's not very kingly. Now hear me, he won't come that way. So what you got to do is prepare the way. You have to say, okay, high places. Anything that needs to come out of my life, God, so that you can come has to go. Anything that's lacking, any low place that has to... God, if I'm not doing something I need to do, because he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. I know there are things I should be doing. I know there are things I shouldn't be doing. That's a good day. Why? Because you've realized how you need to make the way of the Lord straight so he can come into your life. By the way, God leaves that to you. Repentance is what he invites you to do. Every crooked place will be made straight. And see, you, if you don't get the message of repentance with John the Baptist, Jesus can't come. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was not saved. God's not surprised at your issues. The question are, is tonight, will you admit that? And will you say, Lord, I'm willing to repent tonight? I, I'm going to end tonight with this story. I, I love this Bible. I was doing a job for a lady. Um, it came in. I, uh, they usually say in carpet work, Brother Trano, that you either get the drunk or the preacher. They got the preacher that day. <laughs> Construction work stuff. And so, uh, Brother McGrath, I, I walked in and there was Vicky, And uh, it was me and about three other guys. And, you know, carpet layers have a certain type of reputation, you know. And she met us at the door at about 7.30 a.m. with a beer in her hand and a bikini on. And so, you know, you're trying to be saved and just love Jesus. And you're like, hey, how you doing? It's nice to meet you here to lay your carpet, you know. Start looking at the floor a lot, you know. And, uh, and again, I'm not trying, I wouldn't try, I, of course, was not obnoxious. I'm being a little over the top tonight. 
And so she said, hey, welcome, come in. You guys need anything? No, no, we're just going to lay the carpet. And uh, so she said, uh, so uh, what do you do? I said, well, my, my, you know, my name's Bobby. I'm actually, I'm in Bible college. I'm, boy, you need conscience. Oof. Because it wasn't like two minutes she'd come back later and had some clothes on. Conscience. And of course, I wasn't mean. Why would you be mean? I want her to be saved. And so Isaac, I went in, and she, we began to talk, and uh, she said, well, you know, I, uh, I don't really like television or movies. I don't really do that much at all. It's not my thing. She said, I'm a union electrician. I've made a lot of money. I've, I've uh, built and sold uh, three homes already. This is my next one I'm working on. And she said, I, I, don't, I don't do much. I, I go to work. I come home. I work on the houses, and I drink. And then she said, it's not much of a life, but it's my life. So she, we got done, and of course I was being kind and trying to be with us. And she said, I have something that you might want. And I said, uh, sure. She took me in, she walked out, and she had this Bible on her mantle. She said, I was with a friend of mine, we were out getting some sandwiches, and I saw some kids out in the, in the parking lot, and they were, uh, they were burning something. She said, we were watching, kind of trying to figure out what was going on. She's a, uh, she's a pretty straightforward gal, man. And if she built a house, I mean, she weren't like, she was strong, I'll just say that. And so uh, she said, I went out and they had this Bible. They'd been out there burning this Bible. And she said, I, I took it out of their hands and said to them, what do you think you're doing? Who are you to do that? Why are you burning a Bible? Well, we weren't burning it. It was burned when we, you know, how the, all the justification of lying teenagers go. You know, we didn't do that. It was like that when we got it. She said, I was sitting there in that, uh, getting a sandwich, and I watched you burn the Bible. And she read them the riot act and took it out of their hands. And she said, I, I looked in the front of it, and she said, I could see that there was a name of a lady there, Blanche. There's an address. She said, I almost took it back to her, and I thought, no, she maybe gave this to somebody. And she said, I thought, I, I can't bear to give it to her. She said, I thought you might like it. I said, I would love to have it. And see, here's my problem tonight. Vicky, Vicky had a respect for God and had a respect for God's Word. And, and it wasn't like she had this aggressive, no, atheist, militant, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, in your face, I hate God kind of no. But she just came home. She had a respect for this book, but she didn't pick it up. She didn't pray over it. She didn't seek God about it. She came home, put it on her mantle, went back to work, came home, built her houses, and drank. So you ready? It was a passive no. Who's more lost? Vicky or the angriest atheist you've ever met? Neither. Why? Because saying something like this to God, I respect you. I even respect this book. But I don't want to obey. Beans, no. So I have a hard task tonight. I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. I'm reaching candidly for somebody in this room that has been telling the Lord, no. The healing that he wants to bring, the purpose that he wants to bring, the blessing he wants to bring, all depends on you saying, yeah, I'm blind. I'm in need of help. And I need to repent. So would you stand with me tonight?
Here's the beauty tonight. You can say to the Lord, tonight's the night that I repent. Tonight's the night that I take what was already been sung about tonight. That unsurrendered peace of my heart, that action that I've been participating in, that desire not to surrender every piece of who I am to you. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to help you. It's very simple. Will you surrender tonight? So in your own way, and I'm not even, however the Lord's speaking to you, I want you to, if you will, just to lift up a hand and begin to say, Lord, if there's anything that needs to come out of my life, I want to repent, Lord. I want to turn from my sin, and I want to turn towards you. I have to understand that no other good can come until I deal with that first thing. But if I can deal with that first thing, Lord, you said all of the angels of heaven, they rejoice over one soul that repents. Why? Because repentance is the first thing and everything else is going to follow. Every blessing that you intend, Lord, flows out of that surrendered life. You can grant us the courage tonight as we lift weak hands saying, Jesus, we need you. That you can do in our lives, Lord, the work that only you can accomplish. And we refuse to allow the enemy to work our desires to blind us. And keep us away from what you really want to do in our life. Come on, that's it. Let's spend a little time. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Anything, Lord. Anything, Lord. Anything, Lord, that you want me to do that I'm not doing. God, I want to give my life to you.